0: Hello, fifth graders. I do miss seeing you guys, and I just wanted to keep on reading uh, Cassie Beasley's Tumble in Blue, in case you haven't read it yet. I know some of you already have jumped ahead of me. Uh, I'm going to jump right in with chapter 10. Blue finally managed to get his hands on the old-fashioned wall phone in the kitchen when Ma Myrtle summoned the Montgomery's out onto the porch that afternoon. Everyone went except for Blue and his grandmother, who was trying to nap after staying up all night to deal with some late arrivals from Brazil. Blue's fingers automatically punched in the first few digits of the hotel's number before he remembered. His dad would be on the road by now, following his old racing buddies, talking to people about getting back behind the wheel. That had been his plan the last time Blue had heard it anyway. He dialed his dad's cell phone instead and waited. It rang over and over until finally the voicemail picked up. Hello, said a younger Blue's chipper voice. You've reached Alan Montgomery. Please leave a message. He'll get back to you almost as fast as he drives. Blue is getting tired of hearing himself make that joke. There you are, Howard said, stepping into the kitchen as Blue hung the phone back on the wall. Come on outside. I'd Ida's terrible at spying and none of them will say anything in front of me or Jenna. Your doorknob almost killed me. It's low voltage, Howard said without a hint of shame. Anyway, spying's not so bad. Greg's made sandwiches. Who? The guy from California who starts fires? Howard shrugged. Apparently he's big on cold cuts, and he's decided that the way to a brand new fate is through Ma Myrtle's stomach. I can't believe you're leaving food behind. I'm noble like that, sacrificing myself for the greater good and all. Blue thought about it. You got into another argument with Ma Myrtle, didn't you? Howard opened the fridge, then slammed the door when he saw it was empty. No, but I was about to. He ran a hand through his bangs. She started in on the whole upholding the family honor by eating everything in sight thing again. I thought it would be better to leave because he didn't want to ruin their chances, Blue knew, because he didn't want to mess it up for Granny Eve. I can't believe she's doing this, Blue said. Granny Eve is her daughter. Howard leaned back against the counter. I can't believe Granny Eve hasn't put a stop to it, he replied, or at least kicked all of these buzzards out and told them to find motels. She would have, usually, but I think this death date business has thrown her into a tailspin. He made a vague twirling gesture with one hand. She seems okay, Blue said, mostly. Yeah, but she's Granny Eve. Howard frowned at a fridge magnet from Flats Restaurant. She's supposed to be more than okay. Blue ate half of a cucumber cream cheese sandwich and tried to listen to three conversations at once. Some of the relatives had crammed themselves around Ma Myrtle's spot on the porch swing. The others were left to stew around the edges and plot. As soon as people realized who Blue was, he turned invisible. That's the loser boy, they whispered. Don't worry about him. One of the Brazilian cousins had helped him get to the sandwich tree, and Ernestine, the college girl with electrical problems, had waved at him before she went back to strumming a ukulele at Ma Myrtle's feet. Blue added those two to his very short mental list of Montgomery's who weren't terrible and decided not to eavesdrop on them. Instead, he focused on the singing toddler's mother, the car accident lady, and a foul-smelling uncle who was painting Ma Myrtle's portrait. The toddler was standing next to Ma Myrtle, singing a twangy song about duck hunting. He was all chubby cheeks and smiles, and he was doing a little dance that involved tapping the heels of his cowboy boots against the porch boards and spinning. His name was Chet, and everyone agreed he was a threat. I didn't expect it to be a little kid who ruined it all, the car accident woman was grumbling. Her leg was trapped in a medical boot, and she had stitches running across her forehead. If Mom Myrtle says darling or angelic one more time, I'm going to swat Chelsea with my crutches. Chelsea was the toddler's mother. Blue didn't know what her fate was, so it couldn't have been spectacularly good or bad. She was spectacularly annoying. She was sure that any day now, Ma Myrtle would be telling her how to find the alligator under the red moon. It's all for Chet's sake, you know, she was saying to a cousin with a handlebar mustache. He's the youngest one here, so he has the most to gain from a new fate. It only makes sense. And the rest of us can just get lost and die miserable, is that it? Mustache snorted. Your kid already has a great life ahead of him. With that talent, Why don't you just keep riding his coattails all the way back to Nashville and let the rest of us have a chance? Exactly what I was thinking, said a thin woman with an accent blue didn't recognize. Cousin Chelsea sniffed and tried to flip her poofy hair over her shoulder disdainly, but she'd applied so much hairspray that her hairdo only crunched at the impact. Excuse me, she said. She flounced off and started shoving and jostling her way, through the crowd around Ma Myrtle. Good riddance, said Mustache. She's a ha- she's a harpy, the stinky painter muttered. He had moved his easel to the porch steps. The stench was his curse. Painting was just a hobby he was hoping would be enough to win Ma Myrtle over. Like the fire starter with his trays of sandwiches and Ernestine with her ukulele. Blue had eaten the last bite of cucumber cream cheese, but he didn't like he didn't feel like fighting his way across the porch to get another one. Besides, listening to the bitter words and angry mutters all around him had ruined his appetite. I won't be like these people, he promised himself. No matter what, I won't. He stepped over to the edge of the porch, trying to ignore the chaos for a few seconds. It was a hot, bright day, and Granny Eve's yard blazed with different shades of green. The grass was long Except for the trails made by the relatives' cars and trucks driving through it. Someone was drying their laundry on the side of the chicken coop. Motion caught Blue's eye, and he glanced above the coop. One of the pecan tree's limbs was shaking. He squinted through the leaves and saw a flash of yellow fabric. Someone was was up there, in the tree, spying on the Montgomerys, just like Blue was. Blue scanned all the people on the porch, wondering who was missing. He didn't know every single face in the house, but a quick head count gave him the right number. So it was someone who'd just gotten here. Or... A new suspicion gnawed at Blue. He stared as hard as he could up into the tree, but all he saw was that scrap of yellow in the edge of a shoe. Smart people, thought Blue. Stay away when you tell them you're cursed. Normal people think you've lost your marbles. The alligator carved... Onto the column nearest him seemed to be smiling through its crooked teeth. Normal does it belong, it reminded Blue. Not in this place. Thank you guys for listening. I'm going to have a question posted to go with it. Tell me what you think, and uh, I'll post Chapter 11 soon. Bye!